Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Actually, uh, I looked it up, and uh, William Shakespeare defines leader as... brother. A dude that leads other dudes. It's pretty simple. Word for word quote. Yeah. yeah. And it's Jokic. Like, obviously. You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to The Dig. This is Nick. I'm with Jeremy. How you doing today, Jeremy? Oh, I'm sick, so I'm not doing really well. Oh, I'm doing so much better than you are. I'm feeling great. <sighs> yeah. Very optimistic. Yeah. After that big win against the Heat last night. Yeah, that was um, good. Although now now it's, it will have been two nights ago to anybody listening. Oh, right. Good point. So, Jeremy, I uh, I hear you had something big happen today. Yeah. Um, it's what every, uh, person covering the nuggets hopes for. Um, I had an exclusive today with, um, a Popeye's chicken sandwich. It was absolutely oh, incredible. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Uh, it, as much as the hype has been talked up, not a single person has backed down on how good it is. There's varying degrees of like which level of heaven it hits on, but I know. I keep waiting for that one guy who's going to be like, nah, it's just, it's not really that great. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not hearing it. We all know that guy in, yeah. in, in our life. And even we're friends they, with several of those guys. Yeah. They're backing it up and yeah. it's real. Um, I didn't know that there were two types of sandwiches. So Do they have a hot. Yeah. And oh, sweet. It was very uh, confusing for me. I was feeling a lot of pressure because. The I Popeyes bet. I drove through was coming in and the street uh, was like the flow of traffic was being blocked from people trying to turn into Popeyes, me being one of them. So then I finally get in where I no longer have the guilt of holding up traffic. But now I'm stuck in this line and being forced actually very quickly to the order screen. And then there I am ready to order and I see two sandwiches on the menu and I don't know what to do. Unbelievable. Spicy. Yes, because... That's always the best choice when it comes to chicken sandwiches. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, what, what's the real choice here? I'm not, I'm not clear on well, on why there would even be a dilemma. This is something so great, so prolific, the release of this sandwich that it makes me wonder: should I stop and go with the uh, the original so that I can give it proper, you know, comparison to all the other chicken yeah. sandwiches that I've had, or do I just dive in to the spicy, which I know is going to be better? but might taint my opinion on the the uh, the quality of the, the the base of the sandwich. I see your point. I mean, the chick the spicy Chick-fil-A sandwich ruined their chicken nuggets for me because you can't get spicy nuggets. <laughs> and it's really upsetting once you go to the spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah. So, I see your point maybe starting maybe easing in to, to the Popeye's chicken sandwich experience. Uh-huh. 
you know, to get just the, the full kind of combination of textures and, and flavor profiles there and then right. moving, exactly. moving on to the, to the twist. And so that makes sense. I think that's the right call, but I said, screw it. I made the wrong call. I'm sick. I want to be happy. Just give me the spicy chicken sandwich. And it was absolutely incredible. So the Popeye's chicken sandwich is legit. Uh, from everything I've heard, from what you've your your testimony here, is that it is for real. Are the nuggets for real? Oh, you see what I did there? Yeah. The theme. So that's today's theme. We're going back to uh, last year's uh, Fool's Gold episode. We're calling this uh, "Are the Nuggets Fool's Gold?" Part Two. Because we're dealing with a lot of the same questions, um, you know, as the Nuggets were having some early success, the questions were really about, you know, whether the success was sustainable over the course of the season. I, I think at this point now, we know that when the Nuggets are playing well, they can sustain that and they can have that have success, you know, through a deep playoff run, which we saw last year. So the questions are a little bit different this year about the makeup of this team. And I, I think it's not so much are the Nuggets fool's gold as a playoff team? It's are they fool's gold as a championship team? Which is really, that was the expectation that was set coming into this season. I mean, I think there's kind of two levels to qualifying the validity of their play. On the surface level, you have their record, what they have technically accomplished to this point. And does their uh, talent and chemistry and uh, strategy merit that record. I think that is actually really dubious. Um, they haven't looked great. Um, and might, yet they're five and two and tied right. for second place in the Western Conference. Right, right, right. And, and I might, I might actually call that fool's gold. It, it doesn't. From the way I've watched these guys play, it doesn't look like they're a five and two team in the Western Conference. But then when you go forward more, <laughs> deeper, um, then the other level is what we know these guys have in them. What's the metal that when you mine them down, they, they have to, to offer to the game? And we've seen Jokic play for years now. We've seen Harris play for years now. You know, we... We know, even though these things aren't um, necessarily um, performing the way that we think they should, uh, it doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way. And it doesn't mean that's that extra level of performance isn't something that they can tap, can't tap into. Um, I fully expect to see them get it going. I, I, we, I feel like we've even seen them kind of get it going for, for moments in, in these first games just that we haven't seen anything consistent, not through one game. Um, I'd say only in one half did uh, did both uh, stints that the stars have, did they look um, look that good? And that was actually the magic game. That wasn't, that wasn't the Miami game. But so yeah, I, I, got, I got to bring it all back around to the theme. Um, you know, I'm going to call them real gold, but only because of the – the history that we have and what we've seen these players do before and the age that they're at, the, the ages that they're at, you know, nobody's dropping off Millsap being the only one. And he's actually looked better than almost all of the other players. So, right. Um, 
based on the history, I'm going to say that they're real gold. Yeah, at this point, I think it's too early to be overly concerned about, you know, some of the star play, some of uh, the bench play, and especially because this team is still so young. And I think that's something that we forget a lot. So these guys are still like mostly in their early 20s and really have been through one, you know, one playoff run, one one successful season. Uh, so far and learning how to repeat that year after year is, is something they're going to have to develop and that's going to be a learning process. Um, so I think we're seeing some of those growing pains. Now we're seeing a team that's dealing with pressure uh, and expectation for the first time. And, and maybe that's, you know, you know, some of the players have not handled that particularly well, and we're going to get more into that uh, in a minute. You know, there's definitely, it's been a, it's been a slog so far. I mean, that's, that's, I guess the best way to put it, but They've slogged to a five and two record. And I think there's something to be said for teams that can get wins when they're not playing their best basketball. I think, you know, we, we've seen teams already this year get wins uh, that they shouldn't get just because they do play their best basketball. You know, it just all their shots are going in that night. We saw this in the Pelicans game where like all of these, you know, be, you know, bench players or kind of role player types uh, or young guys or whatever couldn't miss for a whole game. And the Nuggets weren't playing that well, and they got run out of the game, you know, by by an inferior team because they got hot one night. Like that happens in the NBA all the time. It's the it it's the the teams that you know finish with fifty to sixty wins are the ones that on their bad nights they still can find a way to pull out wins against the teams that they should. And we're seeing the Nuggets do that for the most part so far this year. So the question really is, all right, are, you know, are they going to be able to turn it on? Do they have another gear? And I think we saw flashes of that against the Heat. You know, the Heat were coming into that game off of, what, a 90-point win over Houston or something. They were up by, like, 40 in the first quarter in that game. I mean, the Heat were rolling. They were 5-1. and one. And a lot of people's pick to win their, to win their division. So... Uh, the Nuggets handled them easily without a great game from Jokic again, uh, without him even being on the floor much in that game, and without any real like super standout performances. It's not like Murray went off for 50 or something, and they handled the Heat. Mm-hmm. So I think that says something about the level of talent on this team and, and that things are maybe starting to, to gel. But I, I still think there are a fair amount of concerns here um, that we need to get into. Are we sure? All right, Jeremy, we are going to play our exciting new segment. Are we sure? <laughs> Every time. All right, let's start it off. Are we sure there's nothing wrong with Jokic? That sure seems to be the general consensus. Like, nah, he's fine. His teammates are sticking up for him. Everybody's kind of giving the... uh. The, uh, you know, he's smart. He'll figure it out. He's just slumping. He's fat, overweight, you know, came in overweight, whatever. Yeah. What do you, where, are you, where do you no, stand? No, I, we're not at all sure that there's nothing wrong with Jokic. Um, and the problem is, it, it, it's one of those things that none of us on the outside would ever be able to determine. And whether it's even one thing or whether we could lock down, he's having this problem in his life. And so it's not happening. Um, or whether it's just like a lot of things that have gone into it, you know, maybe 
he's overweight because he's been feeling pressure from this front and from this front and from this front. Um, you know, there's a report of um, his brother possibly facing jail time in, in Denver. There's yeah, but you never know other things going on. There was um, him playing for a Serbian team and basically um, not being given respect by the coach of his own country and um, kind of forced down in the the feeding um, the feeding line. The feeding trough. The feeding trough. Yes, <laughs> that old that old expression. That, um, that cliche. <laughs> um, but it, and so so it's actually to the point where it's. I don't think it's worth even talking about. Like, or at least trying to figure it out. Um, I let me break it down like this. I do think there's something wrong. I don't think any of us can do anything about it or even know what it is or what they are. And, and so we just have to wait for this to kind of uh, work itself out. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure that every, that he's just going to be fine and everything's going to be fine in the long run. I, I think I, I also agree with you that there's probably a lot more going on here than we realize. Uh, I don't think there's a, a simple answer here. I think it's probably a combination of all of the above. It's right. There's junk going on in his personal life. Uh, he had, you know, he played basketball all summer. There could be a fatigue issue there. He could have come back after playing basketball all summer and binged on Cheesecake Factory, put on a bunch of weight, started feeling all the pressure of getting amped up for the season, started hearing all this talk about championship. Then this stuff then happens with more. his family. Then he starts eating more, whatever. I don't know. Then, then, yeah. Then, then there's all this talk about championship. Then they come out, you know, in his first game, he gets three fouls in like two minutes, and it just—I don't know. I, I think there could just be kind of a perfect storm here. You know, Malone's been been ragging on him, trying to get him to be more aggressive. Uh, you know, there's a number of games where I, I I feel like you can almost tell when Malone's yelling at him on the sideline to get more aggressive because he just comes out and chucks like three threes in a row. <laughs> And it's <laughs> like it almost, he almost has this like body language of spite yeah. that you can, oh, you can like see come out of him. He's, and it's like he's the greatest. Yeah, that's not that's not what we mean by aggressive yoke. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, um. exactly. I totally read what you were saying. He's the greatest contrarian. Like you try mm -hmm. to um, you try to ask him a question and, and he'll take it the exact opposite way. Like, right. you know, you try and say, uh, hey, what what um, what went wrong with the defense in the, the second half? And he goes, oh, I thought the defense played very well. Um, right. You know, that's what he's going to do every time. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Malone's like, you know, bring bring up the 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 tenacity and and he's just going to sit back on the three point line and shoot a three. That uh, totally makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I could be, you know, it, who knows exactly what's being said on the sideline or what's going through his head. But I mean, you just, you know, he, he's he's a very expressive person. He, he really carries his emotion uh, outwardly. And I, I think it, it's something I actually appreciate about, about Jokic. You kind of always know where he stands. You kind of know how he's feeling. I, you know, I, as a championship caliber player, I don't know if that's going to benefit him uh, in the long run. He, he and, and obviously he needs to get his emotions, you know, somewhat more under control. So that he doesn't go through these stretches where he's just, you know, I don't know, go sleepwalking through through games or where he's he's slumping and I, but it's just yeah, this isn't a this is a hard one. Like it's not a simple fix. He's he is the Nuggets' best player by far. He's 
one of the best players in the NBA. They will not win a championship unless he is the best player on the floor right. for them every game. Right. And the whole offense runs around him. So it's it's just it's difficult for us to watch a guy right. kind of struggle through his head, you know, to 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 focus on the game, which he, we know he has. And and I think that's why there's this constant sort of discussion about him and why we're all beating our head against the wall, because it's it's not clear what the answer is. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, the NBA season is long. It's a grind. It's a marathon. And I think just the, the, the nature of the fact that there's 70 more games, whatever, just means he's going to he's going to turn it on. He's going to go through a stretch right. where he has, you know, 15 or 20 good games. And maybe that'll yeah, be enough to no, pull then, him out of this. Then he'll have another slump and then, and then it'll right. be something else. And then he'll play great again. And then he'll have a third slump. It's a long season. And really the important thing at this point for the Nuggets is does that is that enough to get them with the rest of their supporting cast? into a high enough seed that they have a real shot at a championship. And then can he do 25, 12 and 10 or whatever, 25, 12 and eight, like he did in the playoffs last year. And if he can, then, you know, this may just be the Jokic we, we deal with, you know, if you're a Clippers fan, you're going to deal with Kawhi Leonard sitting every eighth game. Uh It's just, you know, he's injured. He's injured. uh Load management. He's dealing with injuries right now for one, (laughs) one night. All right. Are we sure MPJ shouldn't be out of the rotation? Yeah, we're pretty sure. I hate to say it. I I think there's something to be said for easing him along. I know, like, I can't even believe I'm the one saying this because I want to see him play more than anyone. But I wrote in my article today that I'm willing to give Malone a short leash on this one before I have a complete and total Twitter meltdown <laughs> um, and trust that he understands what's in, in MPJ's best interest. I mean, Malone knows the talent. Right? He's seeing this. I, Michael, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, probably scores while he's sleeping at night. Like the, it is no effort for him. Like he, he just he can raise up over just about anybody. Um, he's got, you know, this beautiful jump shots, fluid motion. The game looks like it comes easy to him. And, you know, Malone sees all of that. We're not, you know, he's not stupid. He's not, you know, he's not, we're not the only ones watching these games and seeing what happens when he comes in. Um, and I think, I think Malone's maybe taking a little bit too much heat, um, for the way he's handling him. Like he's got a real short leash with him and stuff. You know, there's, I think a lot of mental games going on here and, it, it, I don't know. There, there can be some criticism of that being too old school and, and maybe, maybe rightly so. But I, I think he knows his players better than we do. And in this case, this might be what MPJ needs. You know, if he's got, if he's a real diva in the locker room or if, <laughs> you know, Malone just gets the sense that like, he just needs, you know, he, he needs to uh, earn his spot. The, even, even if the way if you not said that entirely <laughs> for MPJ, but for the rest of the team, I'm sorry. Just the way yeah. you said that, just made it so real, so fast, because he's been so cool for he has the past been. couple yeah. months. And the way you said that, I just imagine him walking into the locker room like Jonathan Van Ness, just like strutting his stuff, demanding. I mean, you know, some M and M's, green colored M and M's. like I have no firsthand knowledge of this, but this—that's some of the rumble about him, right? Like. 
that he's you know he's got the beginnings of a of a you know green m&m demander <laughs> um and we yeah we if if Malone's trying to trying to get that out of him now uh i i can understand that if that's not at all what it is if it you know it, it very well could be about the other players more than michael porter junior even it could be more about showing that on this team people have to earn their spots no matter who they are no matter how much talent they have and they have to play in this system the only issue I have with that, though, is that Malone's got to be consistent then. Like, it's not like we we haven't seen Tory Craig make mental lapses or defensive lapses. He hasn't been great mm-hmm. in any aspect of the game and certainly not on defense. He has not been a stopper on defense. He's had his moments um, and he's been better than, you know, MPJ would be on defense. But, you know, I think there needs to be a, some level of consistency there to it. I don't think it should just be like first in the door, you know, gets gets the role. Um, right. At some point, you got to unleash the talent. Right. Real quick, um, how how many games has he played in? Uh, is it three? Three. And how many games have they played? They played seven. They're five and two. What? Oh, you're right. So I am sure that MPJ shouldn't be out of the rotation. Like, it it kind of goes beyond. Like, we need him actually. Um which was the big question to begin with as far as why we should play him in the first place. Cause it looked like we didn't need him. It looks like we had too many guys and how are we going to get minutes for MPJ or other people when we've already got all these other guys who have such vital roles? Well, <clears throat> turns out Tory Craig isn't really that good. <laughs> um, Weird. <laughs> and Michael Porter Jr. is a better fit on that bench than seeing Plumlee next to Grant next to uh, Torrey Craig. Um, So I think we need him because he would actually add to this team. Now, I definitely agree with, you know, Malone's raising him the right way kind of a thing. And that's kind of in my original – analysis or not analysis, but in our game of how many games he would play before, was it the Christmas before the first 30 games or something like that? Yeah. It's it's why I had a lot, but still had, you know, I was saying like five of the first 10, then eight of the next 10, then nine of the next 10, because he needs to be able to be yanked, you know, when he does something wrong and he needs to be sat down and to be put in the corner and have a timeout and learn a lesson. It's okay, I think, for Malone to kind of abuse him a little bit that way um, at this point. But that being said, we still need him in these games to win them, I think. So um, I'm I'm completely sure that Michael Porter Jr. shouldn't be out of the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm only okay with it for a limited time, like maybe the next month. And after that, like he's got to get him in more. See, the real issue here is like when he, when like when do you want his services? I mean, like the Nuggets are good this year. If he's a better fit, why don't we get him up to speed as quickly as possible? You know, like we know Tory Craig is not a future star in this league. Like he's just filling a, a spot right now because Malone likes his defense more than he cares about somebody else's offense. That's essentially it um, because he's a defense first guy. Uh, 
but that's not like a long-term plan. Michael Porter Jr. is the long-term plan. And I think that's why there's a lot of frustration in, in a lot of fans. And I, I, I'm one of them is that we all see him as the future and we're like, well, okay, well let's get on with it. Then <laughs> like he's, she's showing enough. Like it's not like he's showing he's, he's incapable of playing in an NBA game right now. He's in the 10 minutes he's averaging in those three games. He's averaging seven and a half points. That's what Malik Beasley's averaging in like 20 minutes a game. Right? Like the, I mean, points just pour out of this guy <laughs> and, and we, we all want to s- you know, we we, we want to see that. And the only way we're going to get him to a point where he's capable defensively is to get him in the games, I, I think. like. But if if Malone knows better and knows that it's just, uh, we got to just, you know, he's got to go through another year and a half of practices before he's ready for NBA defense. I, you know, that that's his call. And I, I have to respect that and, and trust that he's 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 right about that. Um, as I've never coached basketball, so I have no idea. But it just seems it's frustrating and it seems like we have time here. Like we have a good enough team and we have time that we could be developing him with the, with the bench right now, especially since the bench is struggling pretty bad to start the season. Yeah. Um, it was our own Gordon gross who I heard it from first who pointed out the, uh, endurance factor and that it could be beneficial to, um, to ramp Michael Porter Jr. up towards the second half of the season as opposed to the first half. So that, you know, mm-hmm. after game 82, we've got a guy who's um, hitting a peak rather than coming down from it. So that's an interesting point. Yeah. Um, and it looks like we're not going to um, have any other way of looking at it. So it is what it is. Yeah. Yep. At this point, that's true. And we just have to, hope that there's a, a plan in place that's going to be for the best of the team and for for MPJ um and then that they're not they're not unnecessarily holding him back just out of some sort of I don't know boomer mentality or something all right Jeremy are we sure that Jeremy Grant is actually a good fit on this team no we're not sure oh, I don't um, like that where I'd put him at right now is somewhere, but he's somewhere he's floating between average and good fit. And I mean, come on, seven games in, we can't, we can't base too much, uh, on, on his current performance up to this point. Um, I mean that la- the game in Miami, he played absurdly well. So maybe we see more of that. And that was a game where, um, he kind of did play some with Jokic. Um, the the um, lineups got a little askew. And that's actually something that I'd kind of been wondering about. The The, the lineups have been pretty much um, close to, not, not completely, but close to five guys out, five guys in. <clears throat> starters bench, starters bench. And I was just kind of curious about seeing some more staggered lineups. And so we kind of saw that in the Miami game. Um, now, I mean... Him next to Jokic wasn't necessarily like a great thing. Um, he actually got a lot of his stats um, in in the times either before or after Jokic. But um, you know, I mean, so for instance, Jokic, um, Jokic with Grant is I have it here. Is uh, he's plus minus ten in sixty one minutes. Now, 
Jokic with the other starters is a lot more significant. Um, we're seeing plus 54 with Barton, plus 34 with Millsap, plus 44 with Harris, plus 49 with, with Murray. And now that's on uh, twice the amount of minutes, but those are still pretty significant numbers. Um, but I mean, it, it, you know, when Millsap first showed up, um, he had a slow start that even before his first injury. So uh, I'm waiting to see what happens. The thing that does concern me is on the defensive side of the ball. Um, those two did not play well together defensively. And, and that's what really worries me. <clears throat> I could actually completely care nothing about your offense as a player, as long as you can play defense next to Jokic. If you can play de- defense next to Jokic, then you deserve to be a starter on the Nuggets. That's all I care about. And, and I'm talking specifically about the power forward. Um, so it, that defense, need, uh, we need to see more. Granted, defense is something that more than offense is something that you grow into out of routine. So he, we need to see more minutes. Um, I had just gotten done talking about how Grant was plus 10. Well, the other alternative, uh, Torrey Craig was negative seven. So obviously there's something good, not great going on with Grant, but, um, but we just have to wait and see. And and again, rebounding is another part of that. Um, the second he comes into the lineup, um, their offensive rebounding just dips hugely. And that's one thing that's kind of kept them here. We are asking if they're fool's gold or not. Um, because their play hasn't looked like their record. Well, what got them that record was, in my opinion, offensive rebounding. Because as much as things weren't looking good, we were getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound, and that helped out a lot. So um, I'd like I really need to see that. Um, it's starting to become a huge concern to me. Um, so yeah, again, he's floating between average and good. And hey, let's get 40 more games in before we really start taking some solid opinions on this. Yeah. His lack of rebounding, he's only averaging like three rebounds a game right now. That's weird to me. He's a really athletic, long player, a quick player. I I don't understand why he isn't a better rebounder. And I I know this has been a kind of knock against him throughout his career and for the thunder last year too. Um, If there's some way they could just get him to, to put a little bit more effort in on the boards than, you know, I think this might change the answer a little bit. I mean, I'm going to say I am starting to have my doubts, but yeah, it is, I think, still a bit too early to say like, no, he's not a good fit. And and that's largely because his shooting has been horrendous so far this year. Um, he's only shooting like 24% from three. Uh, from two, he's okay, but he he takes like as many threes as twos. So it, the, the three-point shooting is really a problem right now. And that's really what they need from him to space the floor. Yeah. Um, especially with the uh the bench group and and when he's been with the starters, uh, you know, they can use it too. And there's there's just too many guys not hitting shots in the early in the early part of the season. I mean, I think if I had to boil down what is the number one problem for the Nuggets right now, it's just that they're not hitting anything. <laughs> Everything's just getting bottled up. So you have a you have a passive Jokic, you've got a bunch of guys that aren't really cutting and moving the way that they typically have. And then nobody can hit outside shots. So the defense doesn't have to respect anybody. And that just makes for bad, weird, stagnant offense. Like, and that's, I think that's why they've looked pretty mediocre on, on offense in, in a, you know, a lot of these games so far. Um, but 
they start hitting some shots and, and Jeremy Grant's, you know, one of those guys that he really needs to get it to get it going, especially from three. If he if he starts getting back to being a 35 to 40 percent three point shooter, I think it really opens things up for the units that he's playing with. And and then then there's possibilities of him, you know, you know, flying in for rebounds and some of those like tip dunks and, and things like that uh, that he can excel at if he um, has the, the space to move. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you about what you said. I, I think it was a good point about how, you know, it took a little while for Millsap and Jokic to kind of figure things out. You know, it could just be that it's very difficult for other big men to figure yeah. out how to play with Jokic because he, he's so unconventional and, and, you know, playing with this guy that's got the ball at the, you know, the elbow, the top of the key to start every possession, you know, that's, that's not going to be a typical uh, that's not typical center play um, that a power forward's used to, yeah. to working alongside for the, for most people in the league. So, um, yeah, I think we need to give him give him some more time. Not not panic uh, just yet, and we're not relying on him too hard. I mean, obviously, he he was sort of just an addition that we, you know we we were happy to have. Um, but he, at this point, he's kind of like playing with house money. It's like if if Grant can work out and, and be a great player on this a team in whatever role he's given, that's just going to be. A bonus but we don't really need him to get back to a you know serious contender level with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now, for some reason... A haiku from the archives. Murray's back, haters. Dropping threes like maple leaves. Sorry, not sorry. All right, Jeremy. Let's do a little buy or sell. Buy or sell. The Nuggets are the second best team in the Western Conference right now. I am selling it. Um, I guess technically they're <clears throat> they're tied with the Suns and the Clippers. Um, technically, they're at the top of that that heap, which puts them at number two behind the Lakers. Um, I just think that the Clippers are absolutely better. Um, and obviously the, the Lakers, um, are looking incredible between LeBron and AD. They won't, uh, you know, as the season goes on, but those two right now are oh. incredible force. Do we have a, well, of do course we, not. <laughs> any hot takes you want to get on the record? Yeah. Hot take is that <laughs> Anthony Davis and LeBron James are both going to get injured at some point. <laughs> hot, hot take. <laughs> um, 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, so I, I know had LeBron's the feeling himself right now after his two triple doubles in a row. Right. Well, exactly my point. Two triple doubles. He's averaging over ten assists a game. Like, is this guy really going to handle that that role for the an entire season? It's it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, but so yeah, Lakers and Clippers uh, up there above the Nuggets, um, and really, really, they're just above the Suns, Mavs, and Timberwolves. So how weird! Is I love saying that. that list of three teams you just gave. <laughs> the Suns, Mavs, and Timberwolves. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely yeah. selling this too. The Mavericks are the second best team right now. Wow, they're I, scary. Oh my goodness. That that Doncic, uh, LeBron James showdown that they had in overtime the other day where they both put up monster triple doubles. I, I think yeah. I think Doncic had like 29, 15, and 14, something like that. And LeBron had like 39 and, and something similar on rebounds and assists. Um. You know, we we saw the 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 kind of passing of the torch there a, a little bit um, from one, you know, triple double sort of yeah, wasn't there savant that to another. Le- LeBron made like the oldest triple double, and Luca made like the youngest triple double or something like that. Oh, I don't know. I didn't hear that. That's interesting though. In the same night, in the same game. Yeah, um, it could be. Um, but yeah, the Mavs look really good, uh, and they were you know. I mean, they they beat up the Nuggets pretty good, um, and they're you know hanging tough with with all of the Western Conference you know power so far this season. Uh, the Suns have been okay. I don't want to say the Suns are better than the Nuggets, but I mean they've been playing better than the Nuggets. The Nuggets beat on the other night, but barely. And if you look at the body of work that the Suns have, other than that Nuggets game, it's pretty impressive. Right? Yeah, like the they problem, have a win against the, the Clippers. The problem is your body of work is is on seven games and not right. You know, seven seasons. Um, the the body of work, if you stretch beyond those seven games, gets very poor very quickly. So sure. I mean, they've got to earn it. I I remember when the Nuggets were in the same position where we were rocking it and we were saying we've got magic here. Yep. Everything here is incredible. We're going to be great. Watch out for us. And nobody believed us. I remember that. So. Yeah. Sorry, Phoenix, but nobody believes you. Um, <laughs> but guess what? Like, that's actually a really fun position to be in. Well, and honestly, we need to see what happens when Aiton comes back. Um, it's yeah. not a simple – like in the NBA, I think a lot of people are confused about this. You don't have like – you don't take a good team and like add a great player to it and then the team just like gains like 10 wins or something. Like it, there's a whole new mix that happens. There's a whole new dynamic that's created when you when you insert a great player – into a team and and you have to see how that team works together, you know? So like bringing Aiton back, I, I could, I can foresee something where the Suns are rolling Aiton comes back and then they go on a losing streak you know, right. for a while and they're, right. as they're trying to figure things out. Like it's not just a simple addition um, equation like that. So well, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, by the end of the year, are the Suns going to be a playoff team? Uh, maybe if, if some other teams that have been, you know, traditionally playoff teams continue to slide, uh, you know, teams like the Spurs. I'm kind of concerned about the Blazers, honestly, with the the injury to uh, Collins. Now they're really thin up front. And I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if the, the backcourt's enough to, to carry them in the West this year, but, um, but yeah, the Nuggets are, 
sitting in the second seed in the West, they are not the second. They're not playing like the second best team right now. And I, I think that doesn't necessarily make them fool's gold, but it does mean that they need to not be too comfortable with where they are at the moment. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, buy or sell. Jamal Murray is now the leader of this team. I'm buying this, um, which is surprising to me. I'm surprising, my, surprising myself in several of these answers, actually. Uh, this is not at all what I would have thought. I, I never really liked the idea of Murray being a leader on the team either. Uh, I just, I don't know. He never seemed like he had quite the right, like, temperament maybe or something. But... Yeah, I I think you have to say it's Murray now. He's the one that stepped up in the locker room the other day uh, after that embarrassing performance. Um, Murray was the one that called out his team. And, you know, it wasn't Jokic. Uh, Murray has been publicly defending Jokic, which is what he should be doing uh, as a a team leader. Uh, You know privately that he's probably trying to you know, go to him a little bit more to, to be more aggressive because, you know, Murray understands as well as anybody how important Jokic is and that Jokic is the best player. So I don't think this is saying that Murray is the team leader is not the same as saying he's the best player. He's not. But, you know, I, I think Jokic, I, I don't think Jokic is ever going to be the guy that can really be like a, a traditional like team leader, like the alpha male of, of the group. Uh, I think you need a guy like Murray who's got a little more of a chip on his shoulder or at least to at least on in this on this team I think that's the dynamic they need from a leader is somebody who who is going to like ruffle things a little bit with other teams and with his own team and you know the guy who's going to you know shoot blue arrows after he hits a big shot and stuff like they need some of that personality and some of that character and you know Jokic is just too much in his own head I think to be that guy yeah, um, fair enough. Um, I think I think it's important, I guess, to define that leader. Uh, like, what do you mean by leader? Um, you were talking about Jokic being the best player. Um, and um, Lad likes talking about how, how Jokic is the best player, but Murray is the heart. So, actually, uh, I looked it up. And uh, William Shakespeare defines leader oh, as brother. a dude that leads other dudes. It's pretty simple. Word for word quote. Yeah. yeah. And it's Jokic. Like, obviously, he's the dude that leads the other dudes. Like, at the end of the day, he's where the, the, the rubber meets the road. Like, he's, he's the guy who gets things going. And as much as Murray has been doing an excellent job stepping up, and, you know, he's the guy vocally stepping up in the locker room or whatever. Anytime Murray steps up and says something, everybody's going to, you know, sure, nod or just whatever. And then they're going to look over at Jokic and see what Jokic is doing or saying or reacting. Like, he's just, he's the leader. And nothing that Jamal Murray can ever do can change that. Um, there, It's just going to be ways of shaping it. You know, uh, crafty, in my opinion, anyway, like crafty arguments for, well, Murray's doing this, therefore he's the leader. And and in the end, I think on the floor, we know Jokic is leading this team until he's no longer a nugget. No matter who, no matter if LeBron comes this way at this point. I remember that was a fun 
uh, imaginary pra- uh, exercise like a few years ago talking about LeBron maybe coming to Denver and we were kind of talking about, oh, but, but it wouldn't be good for Jokic because then he'd kind of slip back down and, and LeBron would kind of – I think at this point, even if LeBron came here, Jokic would so clearly just be so set in his ways and everybody else on the team so clearly just following what he does um, that – I, I I don't see any other way there will ever be another I, leader on this the team. The reason I Jokic. just don't I, I don't think Jokic wants it. Like I, that that's the the real problem here. Like I, right. I think you're right. Like guys are looking to him, and that's why there's it seems like there's like a kind of continual frustration because he doesn't care. Like he, he you can look to him all you all you want for answers. I mean, just the answers that he gives to the media on questions kind of kind of show you this. Like he was asked the other day about you know how he's feeling. Um, about uh, his team having to play without him and stuff and, and their performance. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. He's like, they're all really good players. They don't even need me on the floor. Like there's no, like no sense of responsibility, no sense of ownership over like, yeah, I, I'm the foundation to this team. And, and uh, when I'm not playing because I get stupid fouls too quickly, that hurts my team. Like, he just doesn't he doesn't see things that way. He just sees himself as a piece on a team and and when he's not on the floor, it's up to everybody else to to do their their best without him. Like uh I I that's just not the mentality of at least any kind of leader that we've seen be successful in the NBA before. Well, it's fair um, to say he's a bad leader. That's completely fair. <laughs> okay. That Murray is a better leader than Jokic, but at the end of the day, the leader of this team, in in my opinion, will always be Jokic until the day he's no longer a Nugget. I mean, there is a dark horse contender here too, which is Barton. I mean, we've kind of heard that behind the scenes for years now that Barton is is actually the kind of heart of the team. Yeah, uh, and the guy that is is the glue guy in the locker room. Uh, as Simmons likes to talk about, um, but right, no, I just yeah. The, the problem with Barton has just been that he's not he's not a leader. He hasn't been traditionally like a leader on the floor with this this particular the group starters. the last like two three years of Nuggets. Right. Yeah, and actually to take that another step um, to add some some value to that comparison is uh, like the <clears throat> the uh, Homer Marge relationship mm-hmm. where Homer's this terrible person. Um, objectively, but because Marge, who is a wonderful person, objectively has love for for Homer, it it makes it okay to love Homer, right? Because if if she does, then it's got to be okay for me too. Yep, and the that, whole show that, hinges on that, right? And so so that might be what we have with Barton. Um, you know, we we've heard that Barton and Jokic were fast friends like from the beginning, and and that they've been that he's maybe closest Jokic to, to Barton out of anybody there. And if Barton is the most kind of outspoken and fun one for the entire team, and he's a little bit older, so that makes sense too. Mm-hmm. And so if the whole team looks up to Barton and Barton is, uh, is including Jokic on everything and showing respect and love for Jokic, then, then maybe that's the bridge that the rest of the team needed. But again, at this point, I think that's, um, that's the history that we're talking about at this point. The snowball of Jokic rolling down the mountain of leadership is just too big. It's gathered too much weight, too much uh, <laughs> inertia 
And, I'm imagining uh, this big snowball with Jokic's <laughs> face just barreling down a, a mountain. <laughs> that, well, that's my argument. That image is my argument for why he is the leader of the team and not Murray. It's a solid one. All right. <laughs> Buy or sell, Jeremy. The Nuggets are going to beat the Sixers on Friday night. I'm selling it. Everything that we said in our future podcast felt really real when we were selling it <laughs> or, or, or doing it. Um, For those that haven't listened, Jeremy's talking about Breaking Basketball, a experimental docuseries that we have been doing <laughs> the last two weeks. I love experimental. It was like in high school when you're doing a rock band, but it was an <laughs> experimental rock band. We're the prog rock of podcasts. Ooh, yeah. Um, that would make a good excuse for all of our tangents. Would, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, they should have him beat back. Um, and if anything, he's rested now from his t- his two game uh, ban. Um, their defense looks incredible. Um, I don't know. It's going to be at home in Denver. You know that could definitely go their way. It's going to be such a good game. It's going to be such a good game. I'm going to be watching from uh, – there's this place here in Philly um, at the top downtown, at the top of like a six-floor uh, garage. The, the the top has been turned into a park, and there's a huge screen, like oh, um, movie screen, and they show games there. Yeah, awesome. so we'll, we'll be there. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's a great early season matchup, isn't it? Yeah. Because uh, – the Sixers have have been off to a, a great start. Uh, they're what five and one, six and one. Yeah. Um, but they've had you know this hiccup with the Embiid scuffle uh, with Carl Anthony Towns. You know, there's so, so there's some like center alpha dog stuff going on right now that Jokic is now going to be thrown into. You know, just because Embiid wants to kill him. You know, he does. Right. <laughs> and. Jokic doesn't care. I don't, right. <laughs> I don't think he's the opposite so, of cat. Right. So it's this it's this fun like uh when a immovable stone meets the impenetrable object or whatever that saying is. Uh-huh. Um like you you've one guy who just wants to get under the skin and and eat his enemies alive and another guy who just flatly doesn't care about like competition even really. It seems like half the time. Um Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really curious to see what happens there. I like, you know, in my, in my heart of hearts, I'm, I'm dying to see Jokic just have like this monster game, just completely control the flow and the nuggets to just run up and down the court and like run these guys out of the gym with him be coming off the suspension and, uh, you know, kind of being early in the season still, maybe not quite as in shape as, as he will be later on. Problem is, you throw uh, I can Horford see too. something happening like that, but yeah, I mean, right. And they have so much length on this team. Like it, it, the, the Nuggets are going to have to have to shoot as well as they've right. shot all year. That's the only right. way they can win this game. Yeah. Um. So can they build off off the Heat game? Uh, that's that's why you put Tory Craig in, by the way. That's exactly right. Yeah. Malone. Yeah. That's why you put Tory Craig in. We're gonna so, yeah floor spacing. Well you want a lot of floor spacing. He'll, I know, and you know he's going to. Yeah, and he'll block all of Ben Simmons' three-point shots. He'll be all over him. <laughs> right, exactly. 
So I am also selling, though. Uh, I, I think I think the Nuggets get it handed to them this Friday night, and I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I really – this would be a big statement for the Nuggets to, to, right. to get a win here would say okay we're you know we've slogged through we're six and two we've got some big wins we just beat you know probably the best team in the east um things are fine you know that that i mean this this one win would do that for the nuggets um if they lose you know it's gonna be well yeah they're a good team you know like tough losses happen and we're not playing that well to start the season and people just kind of write it off but i i think I don't know. I, I think we see. I think we see the Nuggets put together maybe their best game of the season, regardless of what happens. Um, I, I think. I think maybe this this test is going to bring something out of them that we haven't we haven't gotten so far. We'll see. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Jeremy, we were going to record with. Uh, this Philly podcaster, but he didn't show his face. Maybe uh, yep. the Sixers getting cold feet. Yep, that's um, it's very Philadelphian to do. Yeah. If there, yeah, if there's anything you would say to describe like somebody from Philly, it would be like kind of meek, and, like shy away from a fight. Right. I was really hoping to get into him though with uh, about <laughs> whether Jokic or Embiid is better. <laughs> especially especially right now since Embiid's barely played and Jokic has played weirdly. It would have been an interesting conversation. I, I want to have those. And I want to have those with like qualified. Well, I want. I was about to say qualified Sixers fans. What makes a qualified Sixers fan? Is there a such thing? If you belong to the SB Nation Sixers site, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. There probably are 10 or 12 of them out there. You can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Pulley. Follow me at Nick Herzog SBN. Till next week. Take care. I don't know. All right. I'm terrible at this stuff. No, that was that was cute. Thank you.